0: Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through Him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. I recently read a quote from Elizabeth Stone that said that once you become a mother, it's like having your heart go walking outside your body. Whether you're a biological mom, a bonus mom, a stepmom, an adoptive mom, a spiritual mom, or a mentor mom, having your heart walk outside your body means that you love deeply, which also means that you constantly care and may even worry about your children from time to time, no matter their age. I'm sure that is very true, right, Mom? Your heart goes walking with them. When they are with the babysitter, when they start school, when they spend time with friends, when they play sports, graduate, start working, develop relationships, get married, have children of their own, and experience many life challenges throughout adulthood. Your children may be at home or grown or out of the house, but your heart is with them wherever they go. God created you to love deeply, and deeply you love. With your very life, in thoughts, in words, and attitudes, and actions, and continual prayer, entrusting them to the one who entrusted you. That's so true about a mom. Their heart is hanging on the outside always, thinking about their children, wanting the best for their children. And so, in that, I honor all the moms here today. I honor each and every one of you because, you know, it was so important to Jesus that I, if Jesus was here today, I know the first thing he would do would be honor every mom here. He would. He honored his mom. I mean, the last thing that he did before, before he was crucified, he looked down at his mom. And I'm sure he saw the horror on her, on his, on her face as, as he was pierced. And knowing that a sword was going to go through her soul, as prophesied by Simeon. And he looked at her and he said, Mom, here's your son. And then he looked at John, the one whom he loved, and he said, he looked at him and he said, And son, behold, your mom. The last things that Jesus did before he breathed his last breath is that he took care of his mom. And what a way to honor the one that gave him life. You know, he was going through such excruciating pain. He could have gone inward just to nurse his his pain, The, the enormous pain that he's going through. And instead of, you know, going inward, he chose to go outward and honor the one that nursed him to life, the one that nurtured him and loved him and cared for him as a little toddler growing up. The one that was always there for him. His heart went out to his mom. Right before he said. It is finished. So moms today. I know if he was standing right beside me. He'd say. All you moms. I love you. You're special. You're worthy. And today is your day. So live it up. So. I'm sure he would have. That's our Savior. Okay, as you know, Liza isn't here today. Uh, I honor my wife as the mother of our four beautiful children, um, but she got sick. She came uh, down with a uh, sinus infection, but she's going to be getting better. So um, I want you to know, Liza. Her message, what she shared last week, was was. It really made me reflect on areas, in, even in my own personal life, that I have gone through, even shame and difficulties in life. And I was so touched by her message. And um, is that you? Oh my gosh. Aaron is here today with a little baby. All right. I wanted to honor you. It's so good to see you. Oh. Can you stand? Let me see. Oh, God, got to stand up. I haven't seen him yet. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Be a month? Yeah. Wow. Way to go, Mom. But for all the meals and all the text messages and all the love, so We appreciate it. Oh. It's so good to see you. Golly. You're our hero. You're here. Yeah. So what I want to share today is freedom from a couple of, I would say, emotional wounds that I think cut deeper than any physical injury ever could. And that's shame and rejection, shame and rejection. But at the cross, Jesus offers complete and total healing of all shame and all rejection. And the good news is that there's a place where all of this can be healed completely. And it can be healed completely today. And the place is the cross. The cross is able to meet every emotional need that you have in your life. And you might think, well, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know the pain that I felt at an early age of being rejected and felt abandoned and felt not wanted and felt left alone. You don't know the pain that I've gone through. No, I don't. But I know who does. And I know who went such horrific pain and paid for it on the cross that everything in your life, can be met and healed and restored on the cross. But you have to believe that, that you have been totally perfected forevermore because of a wonderful sacrifice, the most beautiful sacrifice. Hebrews 10 14 says, For by one sacrifice he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And that one sacrifice is the death of Jesus on the cross. And I want you to notice the language that he uses here, Paul. He has perfected forever. It's perfect and it goes on forever. So the perfection in you doesn't have an expiration date. It doesn't come to a point. All of a sudden you're like, Oh, maybe I need to redo this inner healing stuff. No, It's perfected. It's finished. It never loses its validity. It's never incomplete. You don't need to add anything, remove anything. It's by one sacrifice. Jesus has made total provision for every need of humanity. Do you believe that? Every emotional, every pain, every heartache that anyone has ever experienced has been satisfied and met at the cross. So many people do not realize that the death of Jesus on the, on the cross, it was a sacrifice. Wrong, Hebrews 9.14 says this, he, Jesus, offered himself through the eternal spirit to God. Let me read that again. He, being Jesus, offered himself through the eternal spirit to God. He was the priest and he was the sacrifice forevermore. And he offered himself and did it through the eternal spirit. I was once recently watching um, a campus preacher. You know, some of them campus preachers can really, they can, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. Go to some of the universities today and stand up in one of the, in, in one of the um, you know, center council, the council area where a lot of them meet. And try to preach Jesus and just see how well it goes. I mean, it can be very challenging on some of the campuses today. But one of these preachers was, he was given a gospel message. And he said, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for you? He was just saying that to the students. And one of the students responded back by saying, well, i tell you the truth. I can't see what the death of Jesus Christ 19 centuries ago could have done with the sins that I've committed in my lifetime. And you know, I think that that is a lot of what people think is that this thing that was done 2,000 years ago, how could it really impact me? How could it reach me where I am in all my sin? That was a long time. That's an old story. How is it Touching me. Well, when you look at the scripture in Hebrews nineteen fourteen, it reads that Jesus, through the eternal Spirit, offered Himself without spot to God. You know the word that stands out there. What is the word? Eternal. That's a very important word. He offered Himself up as eternal, the eternal Spirit of God. That means. That is outside of time, what he did. There's no limitations to what he did. On the cross, Jesus took upon himself the sins of all humanity from Adam to the last one that is ever to be born. It's an eternal work. It doesn't have uh, guardrails. It doesn't have a stopping point. It was an eternal sacrifice that was out of time. Do you realize that? It was out of the realm of time. It's eternal. I can't comprehend that. I'm limited in this time frame. But he's eternal. So let's go back. So that answers the student's question. Who said, how can what he did 2,000 years ago really forgive me of my sin now? Because it's eternal. It's an eternal sacrifice. It It can reach... the one that is going to be born tomorrow and forevermore. So there's nothing, no boundary that holds it back. So by one sacrifice, he, Jesus, has perfected forever those of us who are being sanctified. It covers every need of every human being from Adam to the last one that's born. Physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, every need is covered by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross do you understand that everything we look at the problems today in our society and we think how in the world can this be how can this be remedied how can this be fixed how can how can something touch some of the brokenness that we see in lives today you know all this gender confusion i mean my gosh All of this is met at the cross and can be satisfied and can be healed and restored. So consider the work of Calvary. I want you to consider it because it's perfect. It's a perfect work. Every need of humanity has been provided for by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You know, that is a reality that really needs to sink deep into your heart. Because if you don't fully believe that truth, then you're going to be continuing going and getting so-so sessions for the rest of your life. Thinking that there can't be a complete work to this inner pain that's inside my heart. You're going to keep going. You're going to go to your psychologist. You're going to go to your therapist forever and ever because you don't think that this cross can meet the need in your heart. You have to believe it's perfect, and it's eternal forever. So these two aspects that I want to call that I think are some of the uh, greatest emotional needs that I think were met on the cross are shame and rejection. And my wife, you know what? She did. If you did not, were not here last week, I want you to go and listen to that message that she shared last week on shame. I mean, it, it, it... I sat there and it started making me reflect on areas of my life when I was young, when I really battled shame and rejection. And I really want you to go and listen to that because she did such an an incredible job. So now God, through the sacrifice of Jesus, has provided complete deliverance for each of these two aspects of shame and rejection. You know, but many experience... Or I, would, I think even many Christians, even born again, I don't think, I would say that there are many that are still struggling with shame and rejection. Even though you're born again, blood bought, born anew, filled with the Spirit, you're still battling with shame and rejection. And I think it's something that has to be addressed. So the first one I want to talk about is shame. You know, shame is such a cruel, It's ugly. It is ugly, shame, and very often it's a result of sexual abuse, or it can be being made of fun of at school. I mean, I can remember when I was a of, uh, I I came, I was the farm boy. I came from a farm town at the age of seven and moved to the big city of St. Louis, Missouri. Woo! I know. Come on. So you know, I was in. I, I we were in such a farm town that they brought. Eggs to the house and they brought milk in glass jars to my house. And some of you thinking, oh come on, now you went down to Ingalls and got your milk. No, they brought milk to my house. I was I lived in a farm town. So uh, and I love it that that the milkman brought me box turtles. He there's one road he'd come down our house and there was all these box turtles. He said, Doug, he called me Doug because that's that's my middle name. So Doug, I got you some box turtles. So he'd have all these turtles for me. I had like a little turtle zoo, you know, at my house. So, so but when I, at age seven, we moved from, from Nevada, Missouri to St. Louis, Missouri, the big city. Well, at age seven, my dad, I don't know what it, back then, I mean, this was back when, you know, I'm as old as dirt. My hair, my dad, he would put this grease on it. All right. And he greased down my hair before I go to school. I don't know why he did it because it felt like lard, you know, and he just cake, cake it on my head. And I get on the bus and um, and and all of a sudden they said, oh, look at this Hick. He's from Hickville. You know, He little he's a redneck. And these kids, they were so brutal to me. And, and they used to beat me up. And, and you know, and they made, made me feel horrible. I mean, I remember I would hide myself in the closet because I did not want to get on the bus and I could hear the bus drive by and I'm thinking, yes, I missed it. Mom, I missed the school bus, but I was so afraid to go to school because of the kids that were going to shame me for being this farm boy from Hickville. And so in that, you know, it really caused shame in my life. And, and I could, I I'd come home and I tell my mom, I said, they're, they're, they're just picking on me. They roll me down the hill and beat me up. And I'm like, you know, you really had to realize that this was deeply affecting the inside of my heart. And, and the good news, I'm free from it now. I'm healed by Jesus. But it was such a challenging aspect of my life. And so in that, The good news is that shame is what Jesus bore on the cross for you so that you can be free of it. And then that I want us to look at um, what happened after the arrest of Jesus in Matthew 27, verse 27 through 31. Turn with me there to Matthew 27, verses 27 through 31. Pilate had just handed Jesus over to the soldiers to take him out uh, for execution. And it says in verse 27 and following, And then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, hail king of the jews and they spat on him and they took the reed and they began to beat him on the head after they had mocked him they took the scarlet robe off of him and put his own garments back on him and led him away to crucify him so what we see here is that jesus was exposed before everyone he was naked two times. He was completely naked. They stripped him of all of his clothes. He didn't have any anything under. He didn't have designer underwear. He didn't have anything on. They stripped him completely. So he was exposed to everyone. And then we'll see in Matthew 27 verse 35. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots. They watched him there naked on the cross for three hours. You know, you'll never see an accurate picture of Jesus. You'll see him on with his loincloth on. That's not an actual depiction of Jesus. He was completely stripped and naked on the cross. It says that he, he was crucified and he, he bore our sin and and his and, and 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 the shame he did not despise he bore the shame but he despised the shame he hung, he hung there naked for 3 hours before everybody they were jeering him they were they were insulting him they were mocking him they were saying if if you are Elijah then just get yourself on down you know They were insulting him round about as he stood them naked before everybody. He was exposed. So if you're wrestling with shame, just bear in mind that Jesus hung there naked... Exposed to all the jeers and the taunts of the passerbys. And one of the primary goals of the crucifixion was to make shame. To impose shame on on an individual. To make them feel horrible. Shame doesn't... It doesn't shame you. Shame really is what you feel about yourself. That you're a bad person. That you're the problem. That, that really the whole issue is that, you know, if you weren't around, everybody else would be feeling a lot better. But the reality is shame dictates and declares to you who you are. That you're not the person that you think you are. That's what shame does. But Jesus endured it all and he despised the shame. He didn't come down off the cross. He bore every aspect of your shame. Why? That we might share in his glory. You know, the scripture says, For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings, Notice that he's bringing many sons to what? To glory. So in that, the opposite of shame is glory. So in that, he bore your shame so that you might be able to enter into his glory. What a reversal. What an exchange. He he wipes away the shame and gives you being adopted into the beloved family as his wonderful sons and daughters you're getting to share in his glory so he wipes away all the shame there's no more shame in this game guys it's all gone and in that we're to receive and enter in to share in his glory so now i want to deal with rejection And I I consider rejection to be one of the deepest wounds of the human spirit. I think it's the number one sickness in our culture today is rejection. And mainly it comes down through the breakdown of the family. As our families across our nation are breaking down, there are hearts that are crying out. Because of the pain of, of rejection. You know, I, I, many times Eliza has shared with me just, just the pain of, that she experienced as a little girl when both her mother and father both married and divorced three times. That's a lot of rejection. And it goes deep into the core of your heart when, when mom and dad can't work it out, when mom and dad can't stay together, when mom and dad can't somehow work through this their differences. And it causes such deep rejection in the heart. But one of the most common causes of the wound of rejection is a baby that's rejected in the womb. I don't think there's any other rejection that can be greater than the rejection in the womb when mom and dad don't want you. And you know, a lot of times, we don't think and realize that that little embryo deep inside of us is a baby that has emotions, A little embryo can feel things. A little embryo can feel all of what's going on around. And the greatest need and the cry of a little embryo, a little tiny baby, is it just wants to be loved. It just simply wants to be loved. They're made for love. And this little embryo is so sensitive and so attuned but it's just craving for love. And when it's rejected in the womb, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing deeper and more painful than being rejected in the womb. You know, every baby, as I understand it, is born into the world craving one thing more than anything else, and that is just to simply be loved. And appearance, parent's, um, you know, they love the baby, but they don't express love to the baby. That's just as bad because the baby needs to, to feel the expressions of love. It needs to, to feel the warmth of a hug and, and to be nurtured. So if you're not going to manifest, I mean, not manifesting love, that doesn't do any good for a baby. Oh, I love you, baby. You know, you're nice. Stay right there. You know, I mean. They need to know. They need to feel it, express it. So there's no other... So another uh, common place where rejection starts is at school. I, um, when I went into the first grade in school, I realized um, I was struggling. I didn't understand why I was struggling, but I knew I was struggling. And then by in the second grade... I, I really, I couldn't figure out why I wasn't with my peers. There were 30 kids in a class normally, but I, my class only had like three kids. And I couldn't figure out why I wasn't with all my peers. And as the years went on, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, I was labeled a learning disabled child. And so therefore, I felt such a rejection. I mean, I it was like the teachers would just, you know, let's just help little, they called me Doug back then, let's help Doug just kind of get through the system, you know, you know, he's a nice little boy, you know, I just felt, you know, they were saying things to me like, you are you know, you're never going to learn if you don't apply yourself, you know, you're going to grow up and you're not going to be able to get a job, and you know, and then I, I wasn't with my peers, I felt rejected, I'm like, what am I, a misfit, you know, It just the pain of that not being connected with my peers was devastating, even though they were cruel to me when I was, you know, in the seventh grade. Uh, And then there's another kind of rejection, um, and I'll just kind of end this with the rejection thing, is self-rejection. You know, it is... It's a terrible problem that we're seeing today is that people are rejecting themselves because of the pain that they've experienced. I mean, you have you have little girls that are, I mean, and, and even little boys, I mean, they're there's cutting them they're cutting themselves. They're rejecting themselves for who they are. And, you know, little girls are looking at, you know, Barbie dolls and they think, Well, I'm I I I don't fit. The mold, I'm, I'm, I'm either too thin or I'm too fat or I'm, my eyes aren't the right color or my hair isn't the right color. And, you know, they begin to feel like I just don't fit in. So they start rejecting themselves for who they are. And it's painful. So whatever the reason for your rejection. Self-rejection is going against the most beautiful creation that God has ever made, and that's you. So I want to tell you the remedy of all this, and it's found at the cross. All of this that seems so difficult to even see how it can be resolved, it is all found at the cross. Look with me, Luke 23, verses 13 to 24. I'm going to read this. We have a scene when Jesus is before Pilate, and Pilate is trying to get, he's really trying to let him off, you know. I don't see anything wrong with this guy. Why do you want to crucify him? Why? He hadn't done anything wrong. And the people kept saying, crucify him. And in that verse 13, Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and he said to them, You brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. Behold, having examined him before you, I found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us. And behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Therefore I will punish him and release him. And now he was obliged to release to them at the feast one prisoner. But they cried out altogether, saying, Away with this man and release for us Barabbas. Barabbas. He was one who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection made in the city and for as a murderer. Verse 20: Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept on calling out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said to them the third time, why, what evil has this man done? I have found in him no guilt, demanding death. Therefore I will punish him and release him. But they were insistent with loud voices asking that he be crucified. And their voices began to prevail. And Pilate pronounced sentence that their demand be granted. How do you think Jesus felt? right then, his own people from whom he came to love and rescue from their sin turned him down and rejected him for favor of a robber and a murderer. Think about that. The very ones that he loved from the foundation of the world that he came to rescue, love and care for as a mother hen did his chicks and gather as, as a mother does under her wings. The very ones that he came to love rejected him. I imagine it, it just, it, I imagine it went so deep in his heart. Thinking that, I, I can't believe this is happening. You got to remember he's fully man, fully God. He had emotions. He had feelings. So let's go on to Matthew 27, verse 45 through 50. Now Jesus is now on the cross. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lama, sabachthani?" That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. And the rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried out again with a loud voice, he yielded up his spirit. You know, Jesus did not die of the wounds of crucifixion. You know, people that were crucified could stay on the cross for 12 hours, 14, 15 hours, many hours. You know what killed him? It's one word. Rejection. He was Rejected. You know, it was bad enough to be rejected by his people, but now he was rejected by his father. His father. After his agonized cry, there came no answer from his father. Why? Because Jesus was identified with our sin, and God had to deal with him as he deals with sin. He closed his ears. He turned his eyes, and he looked away from his son. He rejected his own son. Not one of the wounds of the crucifixion killed him. Rejection did. And that is the most terrible wound that a human heart can ever experience. But I want you to see what happens next in the next verse. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. That's the thick curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And only one man could go through that thick curtain once a year, and it was the priest. But when Jesus died on the cross, that thick curtain was split in two from the top down to the bottom. It just Ripped in half. And the death of Jesus on our behalf was the open way for the presence of God to come and reach each and every one of us. Jesus endured our rejection. Why? So that we might receive his acceptance. The Father says, through what my son experienced, the rejection on the cross, I ripped it in half. God ripped it in half, and he said, because of that, those who feel rejected can now come in and be affirmed as my children and welcomed into my family. God did that. He ripped it. He said, because no one is going to separate me from my children. They will never be rejected anymore. So Ephesians 1 says this in verses 4 through 6, just as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted. Everybody say that. Accepted in the beloved. You're no longer rejected. You're accepted. So in that, you can see that all this evil that came upon Jesus, all this evil that came on is because for the very purpose that we might receive all the good. And it was all resolved by one perfect sacrifice on the cross and it's perfected forever those who are being sanctified so if you're being sanctified I got good news you're perfected forevermore by the finished work of the cross no matter how deep the pain is in your heart or the feeling of shame it is all wiped away because The great exchange took place. He bore your shame and your rejection so that you might, what? You might be adopted. You might be brought in. You might be made whole. You might be made new. But you have to believe the finished work of the cross. Do you believe that the finished work of the cross can meet the deep cry of your heart? You have to embrace it with all of your heart. And then the healing warmth of his love will flood your soul and drive out all shame. No more shame. No more rejection. The deepest wounds of the heart can be healed by the finished work of the cross. So I want to give anybody here today an opportunity to receive what the death of Jesus on the cross has done for you. So those who have battled with shame, and I I know there's some here that battled with shame. Not because you told me. It's because I know the workings of the heart, the human heart. And I know what many people have gone through in life has brought about shame. So if you have, if you've received shame, I got good news. You can receive healing from all shame today. You don't have to wait. You know, you, know what, you know what the enemy's favorite word is? Tomorrow. You can get it tomorrow. Well, guess what? You always forget about it tomorrow. Seize the moment, seize the day, and receive your healing And remember, bearing in mind that on the cross, totally naked, Jesus bore your shame, that in place you might share his glory. Isn't that incredible? I am so grateful for our Savior. I don't know about you, but he's my hero. He is my hero. And he is the healer and the lover of my soul. And for those of you that have struggled with rejection, I want you to receive healing today, bearing in mind that on the cross, Jesus was rejected by his Father, the ultimate and cruelest of all rejections. And he died with a broken heart. He died with a broken heart. You know, I'll never forget that I was talking with Dolores Winder, and I was asking her, because she, you know, she ministered with Katherine Kuhlman. And um, she was there in the last days of her life um, in the hospital room. And, and, she, and, and the doctors were saying she had some heart complications. But Dolores said she didn't die of any heart issues. You know what she died of? She died of a broken heart. There was an issue that happened in her life that absolutely broke her heart. And in that, the Lord's heart was broken so that you might be healed. I don't care what happened in your childhood. I don't care if, you've been, if you were um, forsaken, you've been adopted, you've been put in foster homes. Whatever your situation, I know it was painful. I don't minimize that. But the pain that Jesus went through on the cross... Was far greater than what you went through. And he suffered so that you might be healed. And I want you to receive that today, but you've got to receive that by faith. You have to believe what he did was for me. And he can touch that deep area. So I believe he can heal some today of rejection. Why? Because you've been accepted. You know, a child's heart just wants to know it's accepted and loved. A cry of every heart, does anybody love me? Does anybody know me? Well, Jesus did. And it says what he did is forever. So what he did forever ago that's eternal is reaching you right now where you are. So I want you to believe that even though that was a long, 2,000 years a long time ago, in God's economy, eternal is eternal. It doesn't have any boundaries. You know, you don't have to, like, you know, make an appointment with God. God, would you please accept me in? Would you please just welcome me in? He's saying, I've already done it. It's complete. Come on home. Just come on in. Just come on in. Come on home. So I, I, I just want y'all, I want to just pray over anyone today that might have be battling with shame and rejection. And I want you today to claim your healing. I want you just to claim your healing. That through the cross, in faith, you can actually today walk out of this place a new person. You know, all the preaching in the world sometimes just can't even touch that deep area. But I know someone that can. So let's all pray. I want you to shut your eyes with me. Father, I ask today that by the power of your Spirit, that, Father, you would go to each and every heart in this room. Father, I'm asking that by your eternal Spirit, that has perfected forevermore those that are being sanctified lord you know every problem in every heart here today you know those that have battled with shame and those that have battled with rejection but lord you endured all the shame and you endured all rejection that we might be free from shame and free from rejection. And Lord, I thank you and praise you that instead of feeling rejected, we get the privilege of feeling accepted in the beloved today. And Father, I'm asking that you would, with open arms, would embrace and draw every son and daughter in this room unto yourself because you have ripped the veil, the curtain in two, and you've ripped it open To say, come on in, come on home, and receive your healing. For weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes on this Sunday morning. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you that, Lord, we have been adopted into the best family in the universe. So we don't need to be ashamed. We're not second class citizens. We are your royalty. And Lord, I just thank you for your healing virtue that's flowing in this room. And Lord, I'm asking that you heal every deep wound of rejection. Jesus, I thank you that you bore it and paid for it, that we might receive adoption. And Lord, I'm asking right now, that the great exchange would take place for those that are battling with shame. No longer will they feel shameful over what happened as a little child, feeling exposed, feeling abused, feeling neglected. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you hung on that tree naked for three hours and you bore our shame so that we wouldn't have to carry it anymore. So, Lord, I'm asking now that your healing power will go to every heart on this day and deliver your people. I thank you for your eternal word that is effectual. I thank you that your word stands forevermore. The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word stands forever. So, Lord, I'm asking now that your eternal word now would minister healing to every heart in this room in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.